Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everybody into the ESPN FC studios for this, the latest edition of the show. Alongside Craig Burley, Steve Nickel, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Great to have you with us. We do have a lot to get to, so let's start in the Premier League. Arsenal taking on... Crystal Palace and winning by a final score of 5-0. Gunners got started early in this one. Gabrielle with a goal from a corner kick in the 11th minute. Arsenal would add a second also from a corner kick in the 37th. That was an own goal. Leandro Trussard scored on the hour mark. And then Gabrielle Martinelli off the bench with goals in the 94th and 95th minutes. We're going to dive into this game in just a second. But first, let's flash back to Friday and Stevie's prediction for this match. The one thing we're talking about Arsenal is they're struggling to score goals and they're going to play against a side who are going to sit deep right. and try and block any sort of avenue. What's your prediction for this what? game? I do believe that right. Arsenal will overcome Crystal Palace. Okay, yes. I am just telling you. It'll be a frustrating I'm telling time. you that anybody turning up thinking this is going to be 5 or 6 0. Yes. It's not going to be. <laughs> Stevie, your thoughts? I knew it. I knew it. Do you know who the first what, person though? to text the producer was? Oh, Man. Dan Tommy. He, he called me as soon as the game finished. As what soon as the game finished. Listen, the, there's only, I've only got one thing to say in my defence. Mm-hmm. Nobody, but nobody, would have thought that Crystal Palace were going to be this bad. So it wasn't Arsenal being good? Arsenal were okay. Don't, don't, just okay? Five goals just okay? Don't try okay? and tell me that this Arsenal team was a rampant Arsenal, because they weren't. You know, they got, a couple, they got two goals from set pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as open play, it wasn't until Trossard's third that, I mean, Palace just downed tools. And then we saw what Arsenal are capable of, but that's with time and space and on the break. But they've still got, they've still got some struggles breaking down defences, mm. but at the same time, uh, I'm going to have to eat craw. I was completely wrong, but again, nobody could have seen how bad Palace were going to be. You agree with that? Yeah, th- this was a good performance from Arsenal, nothing more, nothing less. Mm. It-, it was exactly what they needed. Uh, bearing in mind in the first half, the-, the two goals from set pieces, they didn't create uh, a lot else and then they managed the game and it opened up for them and they took their chances and in the end it was extremely comfortable and it was extremely embarrassing from a Crystal mm. Palace mm-hmm. and Roy Hodgson perspective and that's a different story and one it's not going to end well for, for Roy Hodgson I don't think looking at their form but Did the five flatter Arsenal? No because C- Crystal Palace just what, what was their out ball? Give it to Mateta he had a fight with the two centre halves ultimately went nowhere and it came back at them so it, it was never ever in doubt once Arsenal went, went two up and look the only thing Arsenal needed to do was get three points here and then start to build some momentum mm. because out of, the, out of all the teams out of the three teams that we think are going to be vying for the Premier League they're the ones that have lost a little bit of momentum in the last month so they have to find a way starting in the start of the day to, to get the points to get the goals to get that momentum and start rolling forward they've got Liverpool coming up at home 
So that's going to be, you know, a real big test for them. And it was hugely important that they did not make any mistakes today and drop points. Mm. And in all fairness, Tebby, it never, ever, mm. ever looked like it. Mm. Uh, I didn't mention it when we saw them. We do have uh, ex-Arsenal man Kieran Gibbs and Julian Laurent uh, with us to discuss this game more. Kieran, are you buying this as kind of the turnaround performance Arsenal seemingly needed? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I think the engines uh, have started up again. Uh, I mean, whether Crystal Palace were, were bad or not, you know, you have to give them credit. It was a strong performance today, matched with, with the result. And uh, Craig's right, you feel like everyone needed that, the managers, the fans and, and the players, and it kind of just settles down um, the panic. But they were good today. Um, and, I, you know, first and foremost, a clean sheet, which, you know, would have done them a world of good. Um, and I think we just saw a lot more signs in the team that we saw last season in terms of their power going forward. You know, they had total control of the game, but they also looked dangerous today. Um, I thought the most impressive thing today was, and I mentioned it last week in the studio, which I thought was missing uh, this season, was how, they, how quick they got into Palace's final third. And I think it explains their expected goals number today which was was pretty high um i think it's their secret weapon along with set pieces funny enough but how quickly they can transition from defense to attack and unleash their their front four for me will determine how successful they are this season you know when they win the ball back in the in the middle or in, in their in their own half the first pass has to go forward and they have to get those front boys involved in the game straight away and driving at the opposition as quick as possible and I think we saw a lot more of that today, and that's what blew Palace away. Um, it would have been nice to see uh, Jesus on the score sheet, but I think his influence in the game today was was undeniable, and he's a brilliant player. And you know what? I actually don't mind where we are in the league at all right now. Mid-Jan, um, you know, nicely in and amongst the pack, and they can just go about their business quietly under the radar, not, not creating too much noise, hopefully. You know, when they're flying high... It encourages your Craig Burleys and your Stevie Nichols when they lose a few to jump on this ridiculous Arsenal doomsday train. <laughs> he's had a couple as of though I'm got as, he's as, had, though it's, as though it's as though it's some kind of he's as though had, it's some kind of sinking he's ship. Had a couple of weeks to get ridiculous, off this, ridiculous to get off the mm -hmm. good ship paranoia, mm -hmm. and he's yes, still, NFC against Arsenal. He's huh? still on it. He's, he's still believing that Arsenal should not come under any scrutiny. I wish. I wish but Liverpool. You know what, though? I wish we Liverpool went top of the league. Seen, I really do. Go we, on, Kieran. We haven't seen this. This we haven't actually seen this Arsenal side in this kind of position before. We normally see, we, you know, last season they got they got chased down, um, you know, at, at the last at the last hurdle, um, and they, they kind of exceeded everyone's expectation last season um, and lost in the in the final stretch. But it'd be interesting to see, you know, when they're in and amongst the pack, chasing down. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Jules, we know you got a soft spot in your heart for Arsenal. What do you make of what Kieran says? Yeah, I agree with, with what Kieran said, what the boys said about the performance overall. This is a, a win that they absolutely needed. I think the break in Dubai did them some good, of course, and Arteta, Arteta said that. In terms of being the hunted or being the hunter, I just I don't think I would want to be behind Liverpool and City going into the last stretch of the season just because they've been there before and they know how it works and I'm not sure how many points they would drop. So even if you win your last 10, they might also win the last 10, both of them, by the way, and you still finish third. So 
I, I would always take the points first, but I, I also find it quite interesting what Kieran is saying. It's true that we haven't seen them chasing. We've seen them for the last 18 months more in the lead than not, more top than second or third or fourth. So it could be interesting, but I just don't trust City or Liverpool to drop points towards the end of the season. Stevie, I know you're kind of having a laugh before, but you think Arsenal's in a good spot, flying under the radar? Why would you not want to be top of the league? Mm. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. I mean, no. given, given what happened last year, if you're an Arsenal fan, you were top of the league most of the year and it didn't end well. So this is something well, different. Well, that's, all, at the end of the season last year, we were talking about how the experience of being at the top and being chased mm -hmm. is going to be great for Arsenal because the next time it happens, they're going to be able to handle it. I would far rather, if I'm Arsenal, be top of the league mm -hmm. and able to call on that experience that I didn't have last year in order to turn it around this year, as opposed to being points behind and the game behind. And no matter what you do, it's not in your hands. That, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. They're going to have to go on a good run. Do you back what we saw today to go on a run? I think they got Liverpool in a couple games. Other than that, the next five or six are pretty accessible. They need to. Because City always generally come strong second half of the season and we're starting to see, uh, and we saw snippets of that at, at, uh, at Newcastle. Uh, with De Bruyne coming back and with Erling Haaland uh, still to come back. So, so they have to and there's a pressure on to do so, particularly with Liverpool's form and, and City are still the team to beat. I'm, I'm intrigued by this radar that they're flying under. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 what team can be? I mean, Aston Villa are flying under a radar because mm. nobody really expects them to be around come the end of the season. Not in the, not in the fight for, uh, for the title. But when you when you are the, the team that for I don't know where it was 80 percent, 85 percent of the season last year, were playing great and were the team to catch and looked like you were going to win the league and. City come strong and you have some injuries and you don't win it, you go out and you spend big. You buy one of the best midfielders in Europe and Declan Rice, you spend 70 million on Kai Havertz, it was a curveball but they spent it. So when you go out and buy these players, allied to the squad that you've got, your manager's been backed uh, and you're a year, 18 months down the line, there is no radar that you're flying under here. Mm. You're, you, you're either in this title race or, or you're not. And you're only one bad result away from more questions. And that's what he could not afford to happen today. So all in all, perfect day for them. Palace, it turned out, were a good team to play at the Emirates. And the likes of Trossard and others for the second half of the season, putting their hand up and saying, hey, forget Martinelli, forget him. Because when this guy plays, comes off the bench or starts, he generally always makes something happen. And he did that again today. Perfect, other than the Declan Rice injury. We don't know how long it could be. Kieran, is this a player that Arsenal, I and mean, we saw that schedule, even if it's something short-term, they can survive without? Uh, I mean, probably not. Probably not. I, I mean, I said it a few weeks ago as well. I think the middle of the park would, would be something to strengthen, actually, um, in, the, in the January transfer window if, if they can't strengthen up top. Um, just purely because of, of the money. So, you know, he's key. He's key. We, we need him. Um, he's the first name on the team sheet. Um, and, you know, if anything, if there is something wrong with him for a while, then that will need to be addressed this window for sure. Jules, any update? I mean, this could be huge for Arsenal's title hopes. 
Yeah, we don't know yet. Of course, the, he will do some some um, tests tomorrow. The good thing, I guess, in a way, if we can say it's a good thing, is that they don't play this weekend coming because it's the FA Cup. They're already mm -hmm. out. So that, that gives you a bit more time for him to recover. Let's hope that it's maybe more like a Mosala kind of injury that we saw at AFCON where yeah, maybe he felt a little bit his hamstring, but it's, it's nothing too bad. So you miss a game or two maybe, and then you can come back. More than if it's a, it's a bad hamstring injury. And in that case, if he's, if he's out three weeks, four weeks, then I think it's a huge blow. I mean, Jorginho can, can play there, but we saw the double pivot against Liverpool in the FA Cup working really well suddenly for an hour. I think that's, that was in Arteta's probably somewhere in his mind when Liverpool come back to the Emirates at the beginning of February, a game that we've mentioned already. If there's no Declan Rice for that, it's Jorginho on his own. It's a very different story. And, and, and I think they, they will struggle if, if Declan Rice is out for a long time. Thomas Partey is reported to be due back early February. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not going to be... He's going to be short of match fitness, there's no doubt about it, but he might have to throw him in at some point, if, depending on, on Declan Rice. So, I'll tell you, that, that, that's a problem. Liverpool's got the same problem with, with Salah because as important as Declan Rice is, Mo Salah's the same for Liverpool. Mm -hmm. And with Liverpool and Arsenal playing, what, in two weeks? Yep. That's with a hamstring. Certainly in my experience, two weeks is the minimum for any sort of hamstring. It's going to be really tempting, particularly for Arsenal, to take a chance on Declan Rice. Mm -hmm. And if that goes the wrong way, and he, he's out for a, a, an even more period of time, that's a huge problem for them with the title race. They, they might have a, a real tough decision to make come the Liverpool game, whether they risk maybe their season or they just leave them out. That's a tough one. To Jules' point, there is some time, there's 10 days until Arsenal's next game when they play Nottingham Forest. Since you mentioned Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson, you think this is it? Well... You got Steve Parrish at the game today. He owns a minority shareholding. Uh, the the big investment comes from from this side of the pond. Uh, they are ultimately being dragged back into the relegation dogfight. Now, do I think they'll be relegated? No, because other teams are being deducted points, and there's more uh, FA uh, punishments coming for one or two of them. I think that would probably save them. But when they came back in last year, they scored a lot of goals. And, they, and off the back of Patrick Vieira, it, it, it looked good. But it, long term, it was never, never the way forward. And, I, and, and, you know, there was reports. I mean, every time they have a bad result, Steve Cooper's name uh, pops up, who was relieved of his duties at Nottingham Forest. Graham Potter's name uh, pops up. There are others out there that longer term, with a longer term view, that Palace have to make a decision on. And, you know, Roy Hodgson's been a great coach for a long, long time. And he's done a great job wherever he is. But you've got to look at him now and look at his team and think, now's the time to make a change. And I think we saw that with the Palace fans today mm -hmm. yep. at, the, at the Emirates. They're getting really, really frustrated with the way the club is being run and with the way the team is playing. Would you say uh, down tools? That's, you're basically saying they've quit on the manager, right? They've quit? No, no, I'm not saying they quit on the manager. The, the, first of all, you quit on yourself. That, 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 that's... That's the first thing that happens. But the problem is, is when you've got three or four who look as though they're disillusioned and I'm just not sure what to do. That's completely different than, you know, having a problem with a the manager. They just need maybe a fresh face, some new fresh ideas to get them going, which is what happened the first when he came back. You know, it was just a case of a fresh face, a different voice, slightly different way of playing, 
and at what one does. Mm. You know, it it kind of smells and looks like that's what they need again. It smells like a kind of Graham Potter. Mm. You know, rebuild his stock, good manager. Everybody's talking about him going to the stadium, money, though. Uh, he was in the stadium, wasn't he? Everybody's talking about him going to Man United. He's not going to Man United. Man United are not going to hire Graham Potter. So no. somebody like that who would be prepared to go in there for you know at least a three, five-year period, longer term, play some nice football, coming off the back of his sacking, uh, would probably be given time, not a huge budget. So somebody like that going forward for them, mm. I think would be ideal. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ivan Tony back with a bang after his eight-month layoff. Brentford 3-2 winners at home over Nottingham Forest. Tony scoring from a free kick in the 19th minute as Brentford picked up all three points. What does it mean for the bottom half of the Premier League? There you see uh, Brentford in 14th, Nottingham Forest in 16th, Luton Town, Burnley, and Sheffield United round out your bottom three. Of course, the uh, story, though, Ivan Tony's return. What do we make of his uh, performance, Stevie? Looked like a guy who hadn't played for eight months. No, absolutely not. He was fantastic. Scored a goal, uh, had an assist. Generally, his, his all-round play was great. Played like an old-fashioned centre-forward at times, holding the defender off, laying people in. I mean, it, it couldn't have gone any better. It really couldn't if somebody had written it. Really? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't fantastic. get any better. You get eight months off <laughs> with pay. <laughs> and suddenly your stock is much higher. And walk straight back into the team. I mean, <laughs> I feel like he was a $50 million player before Because uh, they can't win a the, game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, nice to see him back. Learn from your lessons. You think he improved his stock a little bit? I mean, he seems to be like the hottest player right now when you go... Well, he needs to rebuild his... Transfer talk. Well, yeah, he's, yeah. He, you know, at the end of the day, he can only do what he's doing. But yeah. uh, mm-hmm. rebuild his reputation, rebuild his game, his career, learn from your mistakes and, and concentrate on the rest of his career. And, you know, he can do no more than that. And it's... Um, a very, very good way for him to start, uh, with, obviously with a goal. Bit of controversial goal. Yes, yeah. To some. Yep. Uh, Jules, you know, to, to Stevie's point here about uh, Ivan Tony and Brentford, it was a great moment, but it felt like it almost might have been the last moment there at Brentford. Do you think this was his last game or close to his last game before move? 
No, I don't think so. I don't think he will move this this month. I think they will they will ask for too much money. And to be fair, I mean, if they stay up this season, which with Tony, they have a big chance to do, more than without Tony, even if they replace him with another striker, it would be worth far more to them than the 60 or 70 or 80 million pounds that they, they are asking for, for Tony as a transfer fee. So I don't think it makes any sense for them to let him go now. I think it's too expensive for anybody uh, anyway to sign Tony. I don't think he's even worth 80 million pounds right now anyway. Mm. So let's see how it gets on between now and the end of the season. In the summer, it will be a different discussion and different story. But in January, I really don't believe that they're going to let him go. And even if they were opening the door for £80 million, I don't think, I don't think there will be any club ready to, to sign Tony for that amount of money. I don't think, I think I'm not one for sentiment, clearly, uh, on, on scenarios like this anyway. <laughs> but I think he owes it to the club to at least stay to the end of the season. Why? Uh, well, he, what do you mean why? He's had this ban. Mm-hmm. Right, which is which is on him. Uh, the club sticks with him as you'd expect because he's an asset. Yeah. He come in the meanwhile they're they're in free fall. Right. It's not out with the realms of possibility that they, they, they would get relegated. It'd have to be bad for them, and I don't think it will. But they're, they're down there, and I think it would be a bad look on him if he went. Well, I want to leave now, and Brentford were to be relegated mm-hmm. rather than come in, do the job between now and the end of the season, score the goals, help solidify once again their position in the Premier League. And then <clears throat> see what the summer brings. You think there'll be as much interest in him in the summer? I feel he, like he's a player who people want now, but that might, it might be different six months from now. Well, we could, we could bang, a, bang a, a, a good few goals in between now and the end of the season. And, every, and there's quite a few clubs you may have noticed looking for, for a good front man. But yeah, I mean, now is the, now is the time, the signing of desperation, January. And if you're Brentford, he's, if he's worth 50 million in six months, why not take 100 million now? Because well, I don't get that. That's why nobody's going to get them. If they turned around tomorrow and said, you can have them for 40, there would be a list of clubs ready to take them now. But the 80 absolutely is frightening everybody away. So that's not happening. Kieran, you got a good look at him today. Is this the player that could uh, solve Arsenal's problems up top? I mean, I was really impressed with him today, considering he's not played for so long. And, you know, I, li- I like the way he, I like his attitude that he he takes when he goes into every game he's always looking to to influence um every single game and he, he you know he's, he seems like he's there strictly for business um i think he's got that kind of arrogance that you need at a top club um because you know it's obviously it's, it's not easy you're expected to to put up big big numbers when you when you play for for clubs like you know arsenal united and so forth. So I think he has what it takes. I think wherever he goes, he's going to score goals. Um, I do like the idea of him at, at Arsenal. Um, I think he would be um, an asset to, to to the club, and it's definitely something that they need. His profile is is probably perfect for for what they need right now. So I would like to see him in an Arsenal shirt. I don't. I wouldn't like to see him go for for, for those kind of numbers though at the moment. Mm. Well, it'd be under the radar at Arsenal, wouldn't it? <laughs> not, not, not for 100 million uh, euros. Kieran, we heard from the guys in studio. Sounds like you didn't have too many issues with the free kick goal, the manor. No, no oh. issues. No issues. Not too no. many. No None. issues. Zero. Uh, Kieran, who are we blaming issue. there? Is it the goalie? Is it the defender? Or is it just Ivan Tony being cheeky? Cheeky. <laughs> um, I think, the, I think the, it's the referee. I think mm. it's the referee. It has to spot that. Or the VAR or... The linesman. It's one of them where if if if, it, if he's my teammate and he does that after the game, I'm I'm giving him. A, I'm going to take him for a beer. But you know, if it's a, if it's the opponent, then 
you know, I'm probably going to try and, and, and slander him. So uh, it's cheeky, but obviously I don't think we're going to see it happen again after all of the attention surrounding it today. I've never met a player yet who, who's taken free kicks and not moved the ball <laughs> in 30 years. Never seen one. Jules, where are you coming down on this? Are you going to slander Tony or are you going to buy him a beer? No, I mean, I, I, I admire the fact that he did it and that nobody, I mean, that the referee didn't notice. Um, the difference between now and when Craig was playing, you know, even Kieran, to be fair, and Stevie, is that there's a spray now. And yeah. the referee with the spray points out where the ball has to be. The ball cannot move. Once the spray has been, this is where the foul is, the ball has to stay in the spray. Mm. And the goalkeeper puts his wall where the spray and the ball is. So if you start moving the ball, that changes the whole dynamic. So for that, I'm not sure what the referee... The, re, the mistake is on the referee. Nothing wrong with Tony trying to do it because obviously he gains, he gains an advantage by moving the ball away from where the ball should be. The biggest issue maybe I have is not so much the referee not, not seeing it. Is what is Callum Hudson-Hodoi doing? Really, I mean, one, if he's not supposed to be in the wall, I mean, he, he, he half lifts, uh, he lifts his leg, but half of it, he doesn't really want to be there. Why is he not going into the wall? He should be seeing Tony moving the ball. So he should be aware and react and saying like, hang on a minute, maybe they actually need me now properly in the wall to block that shot. I mean, for me, Otson is, I just don't understand what he's doing right there. Mm. It should be noted as well that not only did he move the ball. Exactly, yes. He moved the spray. That's the genius of it. He didn't, I mean, by Jules' definition there, he didn't even break the rules, really. He attempted to move the, the spray, which sort of came with him, and he left a patch, never cleaned it up. And, uh, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, was I wrong to use the know, word cheeky? You laughed. No, no. Do you know, you know to, to Jules' point mm -hmm. about Hudson Adoy, there are certain things that have never changed since the game started. And when you ask forwards, to do a defensive job, mm. they don't know what they're doing. Mm. And it doesn't matter how many times you tell them, <laughs> doesn't matter how many times you put them in the spot in the training field, they'll be looking at you, but they're thinking about something else. Mm. There you have it. Dub Never Brentford. changes. 3-2 winners uh, over Nottingham Forest. Ivan Tony with a goal on his return after an eight-month ban. All right, uh, a reminder, ESPN FC available for you seven days a week here on ESPN+. Plus. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Massive game in the Bundesliga between your league leaders, Bayer Leverkusen and RB Leipzig. Did not disappoint. Leverkusen, 3-2 winners, but they had to earn it. Xavi Simmons opening the scoring just seven minutes in for Leipzig. Leverkusen would come from behind not once, but twice in this game. Piero Incapié, the hero, tapping home in stoppage time to give Leverkusen the victory. What does it mean for the top of the table? Well, now 
Bayer Leverkusen opens up a seven-point lead on Bayern Munich, who have played two fewer matches than the current league leaders. For more on the big win for Bayer Leverkusen, let's hear from Ale and Kay. Thanks, Seb. So Leverkusen might not want to say it, Xabi Alonso might not want to mm. say it, but as it stands right now, it's looking like it is theirs to lose. But let's get to some of the things that we saw in this game, particularly that we heard Jonathan Tarr ourselves during the broadcast say that Xabi Alonso told them at halftime that he doesn't care if they win or lose as long as they stick to who mm. they are. The coach then reiterated that in his interview with Archie, and that's just what they did today. And there was a significant, noticeable contrast between the performance of Bayer Leverkusen in the first half and the second half. And so I imagine the message from Xavi Alonso would have been, if we're going to lose, let's do it our way. Playing our way. Let's depend on ourselves, not playing their style and the way that they want to play. Let's go back to what we do well. So our possession has to be cleaner. Our movement of the ball has to be cleaner. We got to use the wide areas. We have to be able to use our talented players in the attack. And if we're going to attack from, wing, from one wing, the other guy has to close back the down the far post, which we saw in the game tying goal. And if indeed none of this is working, if we're not able to create the chances that we think we're capable of or we can't take advantage of those opportunities, Let's take advantage of set pieces because we do the work on set pieces. It was noticeable that Bayer Leverkusen in the second half, there has been a tactical and I think just an attitude change from Xavi Alonso clearly communicated to the players and the players executed. Can they keep this up? Because we saw the goal scorers today. We see a substitute off the bench and two defenders as well stepping up when they mm. need to be counted. This games and this sort of results and this sort of goals and this sort of drama goes a long way in making sure that everybody, not just the starters, not just, not just the, these guys that usually play, but that everybody believes that you're capable of winning a title. And they're going to need everybody because injuries are starting to pile up. And we saw Ezequiel Palacios coming off the field today as well. And he's holding, he's holding his thigh. And you're kind of going, oh, what's going on with him? And Boniface is out for a while. And Fringpong came off the field as well. And so you're going to need a guy like Nathan Teller to come off the bench and do something for you. Do something productive. And what did he do today? He scored a goal. So when you start seeing these sort of things in which there are injuries, there are reasons to doubt, there are reasons to kind of question the validity of the title hopes for Bayer Leverkusen and they continue to answer those questions, then you have to say, we have to say, Xavi Alonso may not say, the players may not say, but we have to say, yeah, they're very, not, not only are they very much in this title race, yes, they're now seven points ahead of Bayern Munich, so of course it is their title to lose. And even though they're playing lovely football, they are absolutely practicing their set pieces. Ah, uh, and, and, and it is important because it's a different way to win a game. It doesn't always have to be just this beautiful passing sequence and all the gorgeous things that, would, that Bayer Leverkusen have been able to do this season, sometimes you have to resolve the issue with set pieces. Now, quickly, and I know this conversation is not about Leipzig. If you're Leipzig and you're defending a set piece in a matchup, how do you really think it's a good idea to put six foot four mountain of a man, Jonathan Ta, matched up with Seb Salazar defensively, 5'8"? Oh, wait, no, that's not Seb Salazar. Seb Salazar is taller than, than Shaver Slager, okay? You don't put a 5'9". I'm going to say very friendly 5'9", because it's more like 5'8", if you're Schlager. It's a generous 5'9". Yeah, very generous, very generous, just like a generous 5'9 for Seb. Regardless, you don't put Seb on Jonathan Ta. Would you put Seb on Jonathan Ta? Not even Seb would put himself on Jonathan Ta, and that's what happened. Yeah.
But hey, if you're Bayer Leverkusen, you took advantage of it. You win the game. Three points. Pressure back on Bayern yeah, Munich. And as we saw, Marco Rosa had the correct words to describe how that was. But mm. that's not safe for work, Seb. <laughs> Oh man, catching some strays there, huh? I'm 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 a real 5'9. I want people to know that at home. Big day in the Bundesliga tomorrow. Just the two games with Bayern Munich, the defending champions taking on Werder Bremen, and then a mid-table clash, Borussia Mönchengladbach hosting Augsburg. That one, an 11:30 a.m. Eastern time start here on ESPN Plus. Speaking of the Bundesliga, Kieran Trippier's uh, resume is what we're looking at now. Why? Well, because he's been linked quite heavily uh, of late with Bayern Munich. Of course, the 33-year-old right back, not having the best moment of his career right now with Newcastle. Jules and Kieran are both still with us. Uh, Jules, what's the latest here? Because it seems like there's been a lot of back and forth, not necessarily between player and clubs, but between the clubs, right? Newcastle and Bayern Munich. Yeah, I think Trippier is on the, the Bayern Munich shortlist. It's, it's nothing new that they need uh, more defenders, certainly a right back where... They don't have really anybody apart from Azrawi, who is away at Afcon with his country, uh, who played a bit in the first half of the season. But Lima is the one playing at right back, and he's not a right back; he's a defensive midfielder. So right back has always been a, something that Tuchel wanted to bring back to the to the club. So Kieran Trippier is on that list. I think because Bayern Munich know that Sombor Newcastle, for financial fair play reason, will have to sell some of their bigger names and, and bigger players. Not that Trippier will go for a lot of money, but certainly someone that I think Newcastle can, can cash in on. Certainly, Jonathan Close from Marseille is also on the shortlist, maybe more for the summer, but the priority is still, is still Nordi Mukele at PSG, and the talks between PSG and Bayern Munich have gone on now for a good two weeks. So I still would think that First, Bayern are going to try to do Mukele, who can play right back and centre back and even left back before Trippier. But if that didn't work, then I think Trippier could be quite high on the shortlist behind Mukele. You think, Craig, he's good enough at this point in his career to help Bayern Munich? Oh, Trippier is good enough. He's just had a very difficult six weeks or so in a, in a couple of year period where he's been almost unblemished. Uh, and that happens. But yeah, he's, he's absolutely. But one of the ironic things is I think he was reportedly a little homesick in Spain and he's one of the reasons he wanted to come back to England so whether that how that would sit with him going going abroad again but what an opportunity if he gets it mm. go to Bayern and, and challenge for everything rather than be right at a project you know what I mean Stevie you love this for him I, I think for him personally it's perfect you know I think Craig's saying he's had a, a tough four, 46 weeks and I think that's because the physicality of the Premier League and the amount of games in the Premier League and, and the situation at Newcastle, he ran out of gas. And at 33 years of age, for him to go to Bayern, not as physical a league, uh, and certainly with, with Masrawi there, he wouldn't have to play every game. Mm -hmm. the, guy, the guy's a good defender, but he's great on the ball, great at set pieces. So for this career, I think this is a fantastic move. Perfect, perfect for him and good for Bayern. Kieran, what do you think? You think Trippier can rediscover his form, the, the form that we saw him at, you know, before the recent stretch with Newcastle? If he goes to Bayern, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like the idea of him going there for sure. I mean, listen, I think they were they were in for Kyle Walker in the summer, weren't they? And you know, you can understand that you know why Kyle decided to stay. City are one of the best uh, teams in the world, and no, no disrespect to Newcastle, I think they're. They're still a really good team, but you get the opportunity, as Craig says, to go and compete on all fronts. 
you know, especially at this stage in his career, and it would, it would look great on his on his CV. So, um, I, I do agree with Craig. Though I feel like probably it would it will come down to a personal decision for him with you know family, and he's an English boy. He's been away for a few years. Um, does he does he want to pack up his bags and go again? Um, that'll be probably down to him. It'll be a personal decision. But if it's me, I'm I'm going to try and push that move through. To be fair, it does sound like Newcastle want to hold on to him. Quite a bit. I mean, that, that's not a surprise to you. No, because he's a good player. Yes, he, right. he is. You know, he's, he's. Can they afford to let him go then? Listen, if the money's right, he's 33 years of age. Yeah. Um, all, all of these factors. Um, if he doesn't go, then it's good for Newcastle. It, it, it's good for him. He's playing in a team that's on the rise. So yeah, I mean, I don't think he loses either way. If he moves, I think it's great for his career. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, he's in a good place. The only person that loses is Eddie Howe. Mm. Yep. Uh, and they've just run out of steam uh, a little bit this season with the injuries and the suspensions and the loss of Tenali and the toll of the Champions League being back in it. And all these games, which, you know, is not really an excuse, but, but it's taken its toll on them. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't need to lose, apart from the last four weeks, mm-hmm. arguably his best, most solid defender along with Botman, but he was out and Shar and Dan Byrne. That was a really solid back four with, with Pope and goal. And we know the centre-halves have had injuries. We know Nick Pope is out injured for a longer term. And if he was to lose his right back as well, he's starting right back. Yeah, he's got Livermento can come in and play there. He's a, he's a good young player, very quick. But Trippier would be a big loss because generally he's, a, he's absolutely solid. Yep, still about a week and a half to go in the transfer window, see how all this plays it's not out. not been very busy, is it? Not really, not really. Let's take a look at the top half of the Serie A table. It's busy today. Uh, Roma picking up a 2-1 victory over Verona in Daniela De Rossi's first game in charge since the sacking of Jose Mourinho. Roma uh, in eighth, but actually just two points back of fourth place Fiorentina. Uh, Jules, was this about the post-Mourinho bump you were expecting from Roma? Yes, certainly the first half I thought was really good. And De Rossi, who got an amazing reception, of course, considering the past that he had with Roma. Um, the first half was, was really good, I thought. The way they play on the front four, it was a, he changed the formation. No back three anymore, no 3-5-2. It was a, a 4-3-2-1, a Christmas tree formation, if you want. And they, they were really, I thought attacking and wanted that movement, maybe they just ran out of steam at halftime because they were not used to play like that and, and, under Mourinho. But the second half was a very different story. They rode their luck a bit. Verona missed a penalty after an hour. They still scored late, but they hold on to, 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 to get that win, which was really important because then they played Salernitana and Cagliari, two teams who are struggling towards the bottom of the table, Salernitana at the bottom of the table as well. And then they will play Inter Milan. So he's got the next two games, potentially with two, two winnable games, again, to start really well with three wins, three decent performances, and then we will see what they can do against Inter, which is the best team in Italy right now. But it was definitely the, the start that he wanted. And the reception, again, was, was really, really good and positive, as we expected, really, from fans who've, who've loved him when he was a player. And there was no reason why, even if they loved Mourinho too, that they would not be behind him. Jules Roma, winners on the day, AC Milan as well. They picked up a 3-2 win over Udinese, but that's not really the story that's making the rounds about this game. Play was suspended after what appeared to be another incident of racism. Mike Magnan, the goalie, abandoning the pitch along with his teammates. Really, Jules, just ugly scenes. Yeah, ugly, Sebis. I mean, we say it all the time, but how can we be in 2024 and still talk about things like that in 
in football stadiums, but that's what happened. And I think we have to applaud what Mike Mignon did tonight because I think this could be very significant. I hope this could be a turning point too in the fight against racism in, in football, but all over in society as well because he didn't say anything the first time he was racially abused when he went to get the ball to take a, a goal kick. But then the second time it happened again from the same curva, from the same stand in, uh, in, of the stadium. He decided that that was too much. He went to, he told the fourth referee and then the, the, the referee who decided to stop the game and, and Mark just walked off with his teammates. I think everybody should have walked off, but at least it's a start that when the game is, is suspended for 10 minutes because of that, uh, and that the goalkeeper, or a player by himself, decided that this is enough now, this, this has to stop, uh, and decided to stop the game. So let's hope that the culprit could be fun and surely with the CCTV cameras we've got a stadium, even in all stadiums like the one is in Italy, you can, you can, you can get that. And I think for, for many of who, the other thing to applaud really is how calm this state. Because I think when he was in a similar position against Juventus a few years ago, if you remember, he got really angry and this time I thought he stayed really calm. He just walked off saying like, I can't, I, this is not acceptable, I can't take this. But by staying calm, I think he helped the situation a lot. And, and it didn't happen again when, he kept, when the, the, the game restarted. So I, th I think he did the right thing and, and let's hope now we can find those people that they will never put a foot again in a football stadium and that hopefully Serie A and Italian football and, and football in general will be better. Kieran, you're not far removed from the game. I wonder about your reaction, not, not necessarily to what happened in the stadium, but also then the response from Mike Magnan and his, his AC Milan teammates. Yeah, I thought they, the players handled it, handled it brilliantly. I thought um, Mike Mignard was 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 brilliant. I mean, listen, I think it, we haven't we haven't heard of a case for a while, um, and it kind of you know goes through waves where we don't hear about it, and then an incident happens, and you know everything kind of blows up again. But I thought the way he handled it this time was was brilliant. Um, that's what you want to see from from a professional. Um, and I think he kind of well, he really set the standard for, you know, how how you should deal with those kind of incidences. Um, yeah, it is so, so obviously still surprising that we still have to have these conversations still in this day and age. Um, I would probably like to see less chances given um, when these kind of things happen, um, because I think that that would, you know, after the third time that the second time that he went out the, the the play was fine and the game continued and everything was good um so you know to really stamp it out you know there's a slogan that says no no room for racism that should mean that there's zero room no room at all um so no second chances um the, the game has to be abandoned uh in my opinion but this is a start so um yeah i thought that you know, that was a really good thing that, that Mike Mannion done and the players done and the manager, um, I thought, dealt with it very well. Milan, then, uh, at the end of the day, 3-2 winners uh, over Udinese and Serie I'm sure we'll have much more on that on the next edition of the Gab and Jules show. Of course, the boys are together every Monday and Thursday. And Jules is always, unlike Gab, exceptionally well-dressed. What is that, a, a PSV Eindhoven throwback? Mid-90s? What a, what a beauty for those listening on the podcast. Uh, you always... You always got to see what Jules is wearing. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. U.S. men's national team in action today in San Antonio taking on Slovenia. This is, of course, a January camp, so all domestic players, all Major League Soccer players. And it did not go well for Greg Berhalter and company as they fell 1-0 to Slovenia on a first-half goal. We will be talking about that, hopefully not too much, because it's pretty much a dead rubber, (laughs) on the next edition of Football Americas, which, of course, is live on ESPN Plus, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time this coming Monday. We hope to see you then. That'll do it for this edition of ESPN FC, but don't go far. Extra time starts right now. Hey there, everybody. Welcome into the ESPN FC oh. studios for today's edition of Extra Time. Of course, you, I missed yesterday's edition of Extra Time, so why I had you do some that? extra energy today. Why did you do that? Just to get under your skin. Well, because... 90, 99% of the people that are watching this right now right. were watching the show before. You think so? I actually would disagree with that. I think so a lot think of people just, turn just off. watch Extra Time. It's all over YouTube, just social media. You don't know how big of a viral sensation you are, do you? I'm perfectly healthy, thanks very much. Touche. All right, we got uh, Kieran and Jules with us as well. I don't have a flight to catch, so I'm in no rush. So I might prattle on just a, a little bit here, Craig. Is that okay with you? Uh, no. Unless uh, Mike, you got, Mike unless you got handcuffs, no. I mean, I can just walk okay. off. The answer would be no. The righteous anger of Craig Burley is our first question. For the boys, do you think VAR should get involved in plays like Ivan Tony's free kick? He actually moved the foam in the ball twice when the ref wasn't looking. That provided his window to score a free kick. Is that a VAR worthy? Nope. Look, there's four, there's four officials yeah. on the field. Mm-hmm. So can we can we give them something to do? How's about one of the four of them can, can spot actually what the job is? Their job is to referee the game, including the fourth official and the two linesmen, along with the referee. So how about they do something? Right. I believe we uh, can get involved in that. Yeah, the question is, did, would you want to see them get involved in something like that? Well, I feel he's paying attention. All he has they're communicating all the time and just say, listen, he's moved the ball uh, a couple of feet. Just get a move it back. It, it's not difficult. Shouldn't be. He obviously couldn't be bothered. <laughs> Jules, next question here for you from Manchester Drake. Thoughts on Omar Barada moving from City to United? Yeah, that's the big news. One of the big news of the night here in England is the, uh, the breaking news that it looks like United for their new CEO under Sir Jim Ratcliffe's uh, tenure at the club. I've gone to City, to the neighbours, to get Omar Berada, who is Paris born and bred, so that can that obviously makes him a, a really good man and a very clever guy too. But more seriously, who had a high-profile job at Barcelona first, where he was head of sponsorship to start with, and then he was poached by City when Ferran, um, when Ferran Soriano and Chiqui Bigarishan arrived at City for the, um, you know, for the, 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 that new era, if you want. And then he started again as a head of sponsorship and then became like chief operating officer, all of that. So he was really good. And then he, overs- he kind of oversaw the, uh, the City Football Group. 
And, and, and I think United saw a lot of qualities in him, which I think is right, completely right. I think he was ready for a big job. I don't think there's right now a bigger job in, in football than this one, considering the work that he will have to do at United to bring that club back to the top. So I think we can wish him good luck, but from a United point of view, and again, we don't know exactly when he will start. It could well be not before the, the start of next season. But regardless, I think when this is confirmed, it will be a really big coup from a United point of view. So the question to Jules is, was this guy involved in any of the 115 problems that City have? Because mm. if he is... It's, it's a good not, question. It's not a great move for, for United, is it? I can see what you're saying, Jules. What do you it's think? It's a question that nobody... Yeah, no, it's a great question, of course, and I, I didn't touch upon it simply because I don't have the answer, Stevie, I can't tell you, but I think a lot of people are asking that question, mm -hmm. and it's the right question. I'm not sure to what degree he would have been involved in those charges or what City are accused to have done wrongly over the, over the years. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fair question, a good question. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, I don't have the answer. Well, you don't know, Aaron Jules, I get that. I know, it's a first here on, uh, on Extra Time. <laughs> <laughs> Stu provides our next question. How does the team react to hearing someone's gotten hurt on international duty? So I guess obviously the, the latest example of this, Mo Salah. Kieran, what's the reaction when, when one of your teammates gets hurt on international duty? Oh, well, if it's someone like Mo Salah and you're playing for Liverpool, then um, it's not good. It's not good. It's, um, it's, it spreads like wildfire. Uh, around the team, you know, everyone's kind of looking at each other to say, you know, who's going to step up. Um, but you know, I mean, listen, that's what that's what happens throughout the season. Always, you know, you, you have to deal with it. And there's um, there's players that you, you you look to lean on, and especially for for someone like Liverpool now, that you would have, you know, so many players, Joe Yota. He's there, he's come back and looks breath of fresh air again. Um, so, yeah, you always look to, to players that can, can step up and hopefully fill that void. Very well. Norwegian Racing Fish. Ooh, you want to talk some Bundesliga. Does the win for Leverkusen today demonstrate resilience that bodes well for the title run? Or does it expose cracks in the armor teams can exploit for the remainder of the season? Well, they have got some players away, like, like a lot of teams. And they picked up another injury on the back line today, right? Jonathan Ta, Jonathan, Jonathan Ta, get it right. Yeah. Those people that enunciate the names are pain in the backside, aren't they? <laughs> to be honest with you. Steady. Giant balls. <laughs> Commentators, most of them. Uh, he's been playing, he actually. He struggled early on today defensively, he got himself a goal, but he really had a poor first first half, first half an hour or first half. So defensively, they were, I mean, they were so vulnerable early on, but, but they are resilient and they didn't dominate the midfield in the first half, they did in the second half. Xhaka and Palacios in there, and they're a completely different side, and we talked about this on the show. So there is some resilience to them. But with Boniface out, Patrick Schick is going to have to step up big time. He's a good player. He's a good player, but uh, he is going to have to step up for them. And uh, you can't keep doing that if you're going to... I mean, maybe you can keep going all the way from now until May, leaving it as tight as that and as late as that, like they did this week and last week. But it's unlikely you're going to be able to do that most weeks. So it's been a good couple of weeks for them in terms of... Uh, 
you know, getting the six points out of the two games right at the death, but they haven't played as well, certainly not in this game as we know they can. Although Leipzig were I think third in the league going yep. into this, so it was, a, it was a big game. It was away from home. Plus, a lot of the guys that are out are like Afcon, right? So they yeah. sh- they should get in a couple weeks, maybe most of those guys back. Next question for you, Jules. Where do you rank Antoine Griezmann in the list of all-time great French forwards, such as Henri Trezeguet, etc.? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think uh, I think he's top ten, not top five, because I think between Platini and Copa Zidane. Mbappé already, of course, and Thierry, then that's it. I think he's still top five and it's a pretty amazing top five. I, I would probably put him very close to, just outside of that top five. But I think what he's done at Atletico Madrid is remarkable, wonderful, really. The, the, the mentality that he has, everything that he can do on the pitch, outside even of scoring goals and, and providing goals, it's just, it's just amazing. So, an amazing career. He still has, I think, a few more years ahead of him in Spain with Atletico before moving to MLS where he dreams to play one day and, and live in the US so he will come towards your side at some point mm-hmm. but, but for now I think we still need to enjoy like the goal we saw obviously on ESPN Plus the other night in the Copa del Rey in the derby against, against Real Madrid. This is just what he's capable of and again the intelligence, the football IQ, all of that, the energy, everything. He's just such a wonderful guy and a wonderful player. But when it comes, for, when it comes to playing for your country, you. You can't not think about Olivier Giroud. You're right, he should have been one of the guys. And I'm not saying he has the talent level of of all these other guys, particularly Platini and Zidane and and Mbappe, but... you got to put him in the conversation. Just because of the goals that this guy scored for his country. You can't can't deny that. And he's still still batting away now in Milan in his mid-30s. Well, past mid-30s, right? 37. You with that, Jules? Yeah, 100%. He would also be in my top 10. Uh, Craig is right. He still holds right now. I mean, obviously, he knows that at some point Mbappé for sure is going to overtake him in the, as a top goal scorer in, in French football history. Maybe Griezmann as well, who's not too, too far. But Mbappé certainly. Um, so he won't hold it for much longer. But right now, he's still, he's still his, he holds the record. The record is his, which is remar- incredible. And there's the World Cup, of course, and there's everything else that he's done. Over, I think he's de- he made his debut in 2011 for the national team. So it's a long, long international career that, and the boys know how difficult it is to play international football. So yeah, he deserves a lot of love and credit. Jules has been breaking some news this week. Okay. Um, specifically about Gio Reyna and who's interested in him. Somebody that's going to play him. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice for US fans. We'd like to see him play a little bit more than, what, the 15 minutes that he got today. Garbage minutes, it should be said, when it was already 3 nothing. Uh, Jules, anything additional on Gio Reyna that you're hearing over there? I think the discussions continue, uh, Sebi. I said it to Gab the other day as well. I don't know what the boys and what you, and you Sebi, as well, think. There's, we said nine days left in the transfer window. How is this, how is this not sorted out already? Mm. I mean, we've known since September, maybe October, that he was not going to play much for Dortmund. So his dad and now George Mendes, his agent, who to be fair to George Mendes, has just been chosen very recently, but they have plenty of time to prepare for this transfer window. How could we enter the last week of the transfer window very soon? And he's still at Dortmund, he's still a Dortmund player, hardly playing for that team. I just don't understand it because there are clubs there who are interested. He's a young player, very talented, everybody knows that. And yet, 
and yet it's still not done. This should have been done on January the 1st or very early in the month like other transfers have been done because they've known for a very long time that he would not be playing much for Borussia Dortmund. Mm. Especially when they brought back Jadon Sancho. Even less playing time to go around. Sebi, story time. How did you not end up hosting yesterday's show? Oh, man. Oh, go on, Borussia. Come on, here we go. Well, you, obviously, you guys yeah, know this. There's, there's lots of snow in the northeast in the United no, States. No, there's not. What are you Can talking you about? Question? Did you not notice that it was going to snow? Fail I'm a sports host, not a weather host. Fail to prepare. Yeah. you got to just pick your phone up and go like that. Like how is that? Tech- you. I'm sorry. <laughs> tell me you. more about your tech. Tell even I can yeah. do it. <laughs> and go like even that. Even I can get on it. Yeah. No, I did botch it. I did. I really had. I didn't know that the weather was coming as as it was. And the worst part was that I kept telling Dan, "I'm I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it." Because uh, it looked like we were gonna board the plane, and then we didn't board the plane, and then they ran out of de-icing fluid. So it wasn't just me that was unprepared. I'd like to shout out the folks at no, no, National no, Airport no, in Washington. No, 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 it's they on were you. Unprepared too. It's on you. Don't blame other people. And then at some point, I just thought, you know what? So de-icing. That's going what you're in. going with. You're going with de-icing fluid. Is that what you're going with? Yeah, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that is my story. So it's mid-January, yeah. and <laughs> I got the boss here calling me because I'm not here, and I got my wife at home calling me because I'm not there, and I'm sitting on a tarmac just. Taking it on both sides. I mean, it's well, sort yourself out, man. <laughs> it's mid-January. Yeah. How long have you lived in DC? My whole life. I right, was born right. there. <laughs> Mid-January in the, the, the <laughs> northeast of the United States, right. and the bad weather catches you out. I know. I should have flown up the night before. I know. I mean, Lesson learned. And t- pilots I can't make that mistake again. Pilots don't have to be able to see you out the windscreen to fly a plane. It's oh, all really? done electronically anyway. Yeah. Well, that was what an, did that they was need a, to see out the window for? That was another issue yesterday. Uh, they didn't have a pilot for a little. <laughs> Please tell me that's not a serious point. Pilots don't have to see out the All right. All right, well, yes. Yeah, so well, somebody had, for somebody had to time. work anyway. Didn't he? Somebody <laughs> had to work. Hey, you know. Huh? And doesn't work enough. I think we got to get him some more days here in studio. That'll do it for us. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. It won't be me. Hopefully, I do catch a flight and it gets home on time. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, you'll make sure you get that one. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.